the passage of scripture, brother Joel, Pastor Joel read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses um, 23 through 26, which will be our focal point today. But just verse 24 and 25, where Jesus says, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then in verse 25, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Powerful words of Jesus. Amen. Now, gathering around the communion table, as we do here at the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church, uh, every first Sunday of the month is a joyful occasion. At least it's a joyful occasion for me. I hope that it's a joyful occasion for you as well. It's a joyful occasion and a joyful celebration because we are carrying out the command of Jesus Christ. And whenever we do what Jesus tells us to do, we ought to be joyful about it. Amen. It's kind of like when, when somebody asks you to do something, I mean, you're excited about it. And so when Jesus tells us to do something, we ought to be excited about it. He says, do this. And that's the reason why we're doing it. It's a joyful occasion. But it's also a time of joyful celebration because we as a congregation get an opportunity to celebrate this sacred meal together. And there's something special about sitting around the table with your family and your friends sharing a meal together. And on the first Sunday, we get a chance to do that. We get a chance to celebrate this sacred meal. And so we come to this table with, with joy in our hearts because of this great opportunity. However, we need to make every effort not to allow the familiarity of the supper to overshadow the focus of the supper. That means that sometimes we could get so familiar with a thing and doing a thing until it, it just kind of overshadows the focus, the whole purpose for why we do it. We need to make every effort not to permit the ease of the supper to overrule the essence of the supper. We, we need let not the form, we ought not let not the form a fashion of the table or the supper minimize the force and the function of the supper. And we need not let the methodology of the supper, how we do it, distract from the message of the supper. Amen? We meet, need to remain vigilant and not allow the attention surrounding the table to eclipse the intention of the table. When we come around the table, it draws a lot of attention. The deacons are looking nice. They have their ties on, and we go through our methods, and we're going through it. And, 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 and as Deacon Granger, you know, administers, I mean, it's a, it's a method to it. But in the midst of all of that methodology, we want to keep in mind what the real message of the table is. And so today as a vivid reminder of why we do what we do in terms of celebrating the Lord's Supper and in an effort to keep the communion event fresh upon our minds and relevant upon our agendas, I want to focus on just three things about the Lord's Supper. Just three things about the Lord's Supper today. First, the Lord's Supper is about the body. Of Jesus. Paul recounts in verse 23 of the text 
the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, think with me about this statement. Out of all the religions and out of all the religious movements in the world, not one of them can truthfully say that the leader or the founder of that religion or that religious movement sacrificed his or her body in order to save his or her followers. Am I right about it? That not, one can, not one can say that the leader sacrificed their bodies for the salvation of the followers. In fact, when you read history and, and of different movements and cults and sects, you'll find the following is true. That most often, whereas founders of religious movements and groups most often promote their personal prestige and powerful agendas. In other words, it's about them, but not Jesus. He gave up his body to pay the sin debt for everyone who believes in him for their salvation. Do you see the dichotomy? Do you see the difference? Other religious groups and sects began to promote the power, the prestige, and the prominence of the leaders. But Jesus was opposite. What he did was sacrifice his body for the benefit of the believer. John 3.16 puts it like this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now let's go a little deeper with this sacrifice. Think about this. Jesus had a perfect home in heaven. Right? I mean, he had a perfect home in heaven. Now, a lot of us, I mean, we got nice homes and nice places to stay. And people try to get us away, and we say, no, I'm not, I'm not leaving my house. <laughs> I mean, I got everything the way I want it. I'm, I'm comfortable here. I'm not leaving my house. But, but Jesus had a perfect home in heaven. But he left it. He was loved by God, his father. He was adored and worshipped by angels. His surroundings were completely perfect. He could not, you could not have asked for a more beautiful and perfect setting than that which Jesus had. Yet he sacrificed it all. Moved down to Bethlehem. Was born in a manger because the very ones he came to save and deliver rejected him and would not make room for him. He lived a sinless life among sinful people. He died an executionary style death on Calvary's cross. 
Isaiah 53 says it like this. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, smitten by God and afflicted, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. He left all of that perfection, all of that goodness, all of that love to come down and be crucified for us. He was, he was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. No angel singing his praises, but chastisement. And by his stripes, we are healed. Now, if you really want to have your mind blown at the supper, turn your attention to the words of Paul in Romans 5, 6 through 8, who wrote, you see at just the right time when we were still powerless we had nothing going for ourselves nothing attractive about us still powerless Paul said Christ died for the ungodly not that he died for holy people who had it all together not that he died for people who dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's. Not that he died for people who had never dropped the ball, made a fumble, made a flop, made a failure, but he died for the ungodly. Very rarely, Paul says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man some might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his love for us in this that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The bread on the table. I hope when you pick it up today, it'll, have a, it, 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 it'll be clearer for you. The, the bread on the table serves as a vivid reminder of the beaten, battered, bruised body of Jesus that hung out on Calvary's cross and paid our sin debt in full. But secondly, the supper, the Lord's Supper is about the blood of Jesus. First, it's about the body of Jesus. Secondly, it's about the blood of Jesus. Verse 25 states, in the way, this way after supper, the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, Jesus says, in remembrance of me. Now, under the old covenant, the blood of animals was used to atone for the sins of people. Exodus 12 and 13 puts it like this. It says that the blood of the Passover lamb that saved the children of Israel the night before they departed Egypt en route to the promised land. Leviticus 16 explains the day of atonement when the blood of Jesus, when the blood rather of bulls and goats was used to pay the sin debt of Aaron and the people. The writer of Hebrews 10 and 11 states, day after day, they did it over and over again. The pre, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Watch this now, again and again. He offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, Jesus, has offered for all, all time, one sacrifice for sin. He sat down at the right hand of God. 
In other words, the blood of Jesus shed for the sins of humanity on Calvary's cross was the final payment once and for all for our sins. When Jesus hung on Calvary's cross, when he cried in a loud voice, it is finished, he declared that there is no other offering that is needed, no other offer necessary. Now, I'm going to step out right here for a minute because I, I heard a radio broadcast yesterday, Deacon Axum and Sister D. And uh, my wife and I listen every Saturday when we can, and we just marveled at this. And, and, and I'm not going to get it exactly right, but I think you're going to get the essence of, of the story. Sister D told a story about a, about a young boy that was hungry. And this lady saw that she, he was hungry, and she, she offered him something to eat, but the, the boy was a little shy and maybe a little prideful, and he turned it down. So she said, well, then at least let me give you a glass of milk. And so he took the milk, and, and he drank it. Years later, Sister D said that, that the woman became ill, and she went to the hospital, and, and, and there, was one, there was one doctor skilled in this area of her need. And so he came in, and he looked at the report, and he recognized the name. And, and he, he worked on this woman with skill, and she was healed of her infirmity. And so the hospital sent him the bill to look over it. And the woman by now, not having a lot of money, is concerned that she's not going to have enough to pay this. And she's, she's, worried about, she's worried about this bill. The doctor looked at the report, scribbled a note, and sent it to her. And Sister D said when she, she, the woman got the bill, she read it and said, pay it in full with one glass of milk. Can I tell you something, good hope? That when Jesus hung, bled, and died on Calvary's cross, your sin debt and my sin debt was paid in full with one drop of his precious blood. The blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary, we will never lose its power. That's what the blood is all about. When hymn writer said there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilt disdain. All their guilt disdain. The hymn writer went on to say the dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. Even though I, as vile as he, his blood washed all my sins away. Third and finally today, the Lord's Supper is about the Lord's blessings. First it's about Jesus' body, then it's about his blood, and now it's about his blessings. The words of John 3, 16 and 17 summarize the blessing which, by the way, is the greatest blessing known 
to humanity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Forget this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That was God's intentions. Now as I close, I must confess, I'm a blessed man. I've been blessed to be married to Sister Pickett for almost 37 wonderful years. I've been blessed to have a son serving as a major in the United States Army, a daughter who is faithfully working and, and raising our only granddaughter as a single parent. I've been blessed for going on 16 years to pastor one of God's best churches. I have friends who pastor all over the United States, and I can tell you today I would not trade the pastorate God has given me here at Good Hope for any of those because I have the privilege of pastoring one of God's best churches with some of God's most dedicated and loyal followers and disciples. I've been blessed to have a career as an Air Force chaplain, as an Air Force officer. I've been blessed to have traveled nationally and, and, and around the world, living in places like Japan and, and Germany. I've been, I've been blessed to have good friends. I've been blessed to have good health. I've been blessed to have, to have a bachelor's degree and blessed to have a master's degree and blessed to have a doctoral degree. But can I tell you something? None of these blessings, none of these blessings can compare to the blessing of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I stand before you today to tell you I would give it all up just to have that walk with Jesus. I came to Jesus as I was. I was weary, wounded, and sad, but I have found in him a resting place. And the Lord has made me glad.